If you want to secure your retirement on your own terms, you need to go beyond conventional financial strategies. Stick around. We'll introduce you to new perspectives for enhanced wealth creation and protection. Now, on to our podcast, Beyond Conventional, with Joe Biondolillo. Hello and welcome to episode number four, I Love My 401k and You Should Too. All right, Joseph, What? Uh, how are we attacking this today? Matt, I'm going to leave this up to you. This is so unconventional that I think it might make the most sense for you just to ask some questions oh, great. And, and we dive in. Well, okay, so this is something that I've heard forever, man, is that you know I need to be maxing out my 401k. It's great from a tax perspective. Uh, you know, This is what successful people do. Where do you even start with that information I just gave you? You know, Matt, I think it's important for us to speak about a couple of things before we even get into the 401k. Okay. And that is when we speak with folks, we're constantly hearing about 401k for an investment and a lot of the investment strategies that we have spoken about and written about. It's important for the listeners to realize that the most important thing when making financial decisions is the relevance of those financial decisions within the big picture of what it is that you're trying to accomplish in your personal financial position. Mm-hmm. There's no one size fits all. It's not that a 401k is good for one person and bad for another. It really is situational. So when we speak about the 401k or any place where somebody could put their money, it's important to understand the advantages and the disadvantages of that particular product or structure. And I think that's really the context of it because the 401k as a whole we think is just oftentimes misunderstood. Okay. But, you know, we talked previously about tax. The first podcast, myth number one that we talked about, which was that you'll be in a lower tax bracket uh, when you retire. That's one of the big benefits that I've always heard about a 401k, right? Is I save on tax, I might tax this annually, um, and then I pay no tax on the growth of the account. And then once again, to kind of re- support the initial myth that we talked about on our last podcast is that I'm not going to pay or I'm going to pay less taxes or reduce tax rate in retirement. So from a tax perspective, where are you at with that? People typically get their advice when it comes to 401ks from one of three people in our experience, sometimes four. Those four people are the people that they spend the majority of their time with right? Their friends and family Mm -hmm. and work colleagues. The second person that people often make financial decisions based on is the person who works in HR at their corporation. HR person typically, I I mean, I've heard clients tell me they've done their, the HR person has done their asset allocation in their 401ks, told them how much they should be putting into their 401k. The next person that from a professional perspective typically gives clients advice are the accountants. And now's when we really have to begin to think, okay? Not that the accountant has a negative agenda. Their objective is always to help their client, or at least we would hope. Their job, what is an accountant's job? When you go to him to pay your taxes, when are people happy with their accountant? Oh, and they pay less taxes, so they get a return, absolutely. We live in a society where people don't wanna pay, or they wanna pay as little tax today as possible, which makes sense. But we have to understand what the 401k represents. The accountant this year is telling you to pay as little tax as possible. And deferring tax in a qualified retirement plan or 401k would give you the ability to do that today. The reason why that does not tell the whole story is because once you plant that seed, that seed begins to grow, right? And as that money begins to grow, some of the things that we hear as truth 
might not be factual. What are those? You're saving tax today. It doesn't mean you'll be saving tax tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We started our first myth was you'll be in a lower income tax environment in retirement. And we proved last time that that's just not factual. Mm -hmm. We don't know where tax rates will be. People often do 401ks because they're a forced savings. But to answer your question directly, odds are if your money grows in the capacity that people typically estimate, which is where the financial advisors would come in. Well, what about the whole forced savings thing, right? I mean, this is a good thing that's got all of these benefits that takes money right out of my paycheck before I really even see it. Isn't that a good thing? It could be argued that it is. And we believe in forced savings, but we don't feel it's a one size fits all. Hmm. When do people typically start putting money into their 401 Okay, when they start their new job, right? Yeah, totally. And that's typically when people graduate college. They get into their first position. HR tells them to enroll in the 401k mm -hmm. after they're there for a sufficient amount of time. And that becomes, becomes their primary savings vehicle. Where we've noticed deficiencies in overall financial strategies, that has become the norm. People's biggest asset aside from their home becomes their 401k. Some of the issues that we've realized with that is they've had inadequate short-term savings. Oh, yeah. And you'd be amazed how many investors look at their 401k as a safety bucket, a place where they can get money if they need to. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. And you'd be surprised how many people we speak with that have outstanding loans on their 401ks. Oh, yeah. Where they use the money inside their 401k for down payment on a home or even worse, to furnish their home. Mm -hmm. Or because all of their savings is going into something that's deferred for 20, 30, or even as much as 40 years, they're then borrowing on credit cards because they don't have enough short-term savings. They don't have liquidity built into a financial plan. All of their money is tied up into something that they really don't have true access to. So they're paying higher interest rates, not tax efficiently on credit cards and unsecured debt, just so they could have money sitting inside of a 401k, mm -hmm. which brings us to the next point about a lost opportunity cost. Sure. Okay, break break that down because I, you know, you brought that up before when we did the overview of all of these six universally accepted financial myths. Explain that when it comes to this context, please. So lost opportunity cost means that if your money is invested someplace or sitting someplace, there's an opportunity cost on that money. That money could be working someplace else or doing something else and providing additional value for you. So whatever that other value is needs to be ultimately factored into the rate of return that you're seeing on an investment. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. So if your money in layman's terms is investing in a 401k, and you're earning 6 or 7%, or well, whatever the market is doing, it might be zero. Regardless of the tax structure, just from an investment perspective, if you additionally have funds on credit cards, unsecured loans, automobile loans, you're paying interest that's not tax efficient because you have savings deferred into accounts that's earning a rate of return, that negative has to be weighed against the positive that you're seeing on a rate of return to understand what your ultimate real rate of return is, Okay. to understand what you'll wind up financially. But that sounds really complex, man. How do you communicate that to somebody like me in an understandable manner? We make it very simple. Before we even have that conversation, the conversation begins with prior to you putting money into qualified plans, which our firm does not do. However, even employer-sponsored 401k plans, before a client puts money anywhere, we believe that a client should have a minimum of six months of their financial bills and expenses in a cash savings account. Okay. That in it of itself will provide them with the cushion of offsetting some of the opportunity costs of having to borrow substantial amounts of unsecured debt on things like credit cards and could put them in a position where after all full replacement value on all insurance from property to disability to 
life insurance is positioned in that client's portfolio, they then will begin to put money into investment accounts with investment folks. Gotcha. So we don't have to get into the weeds on which rate of return is better than the other. We just have to set the proper foundation of understanding your cash flow and building adequate short-term savings. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So you're basically making sure that risk is mitigated by six months of operating expenses or just your lifestyle expenses, making sure that if something does happen, that you'll have at least the replacement value, if not even more, when it comes to making sure you're properly insured, which, by the way, I was just reading a a couple of days ago that like 70% of Americans are underinsured, dangerously uninsured is what the article said. And then after you get that foundation built, that does make a lot of sense, man, because then you can build one heck of a found, uh, like a building on top of that once you know that the foundation is secure and steady. You know, an ultimate financial plan we've read that is really an integrated model of all financial assets, qualified assets, non-qualified assets, but it all begins with your foundation, which is adequate savings and managing your cash flow properly. Mm -hmm. That's the key. And from there, getting back to the topic of the 401k, we have to really understand the magnitude of what this 401k entails. Going, and not to be redundant of what we spoke about in the past, we're in the lowest income tax environment that this country's been in in decades. And folks who were putting money into qualified retirement plans in the Jimmy Carter administration actually wound up doing a very very good thing. The highest federal tax bracket was much higher. Mm-hmm. They're then pulling that money out potentially in today's income tax environment, and it was actually a tax savings. Alternatively, we're now that role has flipped, and we don't know if we hope that taxes don't go back to where they were in the Jimmy Carter administration, but presuming they're in the same tax rate as they are today, all we're doing is agreeing to pay tax on a larger number, yeah. and what we give up for that is the control over our money for the next 20 or 30 years, and we feel that's a major risk. Well, and I like that you're bringing up the whole control factor because it's punitive, right? Uh, it really, uh, if you do have to take money out of that 401k because you don't have those operating expenses in place, so people like having control, don't they? I people mean, I think do. they have control. That's, yeah. that's really that's really the issue. They've got inadequate savings at large. They don't control their money. They get the statements. They're not factoring in the tax on those statements. And then in addition to that, life happens. Mm-hmm. You know, things that we constantly hear from individuals are that emergencies come up. We constantly hear that things went the way they weren't expecting to. People are always moving. Actually, the average person lives in their home for seven years, which means there's constantly purchases of new homes. People buy vacation homes. People travel. And when your only savings or the majority of your savings is in a tax-qualified retirement plan, whether it's through your employer or not, you're limiting the control factor. And if you don't have adequate short-term savings and full protection, it could be really detrimental to an overall financial plan. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I hope you don't mind if I do, but so I've been contributing to my 401k for X amount of years. I come in to you at Beyond Financial. We sit down and we talk. I, because of just talking to you, you realize very quickly that I don't have these foundational things in place. And I know everybody's different, but can you give us maybe just a couple of quick steps that you would recommend for people to do before they continue to contribute or really look at their 401k in a different way? Well, a couple of things that we like to talk about is first and foremost, are you receiving an employer match? And Matt, since you used yourself as the case study, I'll ask you, are you getting an employer match? Yeah, I match myself because I own my own business, but yes, absolutely. Okay, so that's that's really just increasing your contribution. That's correct. So you have no partners, correct? No, I do not. The first thing we ask if they're working for a corporation, if that corporation is giving the client the match, which we always think, as long as there's good short-term savings, receiving an employer match is a reason why 
potentially deferring income in a 401k might be something that is valuable. Mm -hmm. Additionally, in your 401k that you offer yourself, from a forced savings perspective, have you met with your plan administrator to see if that could be changed from a qualified 401k, a traditional 401k, to a Roth 401k? That discussion has happened with not only the plan administrator, but also my accountant, and they both told me to stay where I'm at. So the Roth 401k provides many benefits. For where your income is, oftentimes people are phased out of a 401k, right? where they're not able to put it in. A 401k is, I almost want to say, a loophole to that, where even if you have a high income, you might have the potential to put money into a Roth 401k. Mm -hmm. And very rarely will you hear the argument that money growing that won't be taxed in the future is worse than money that's growing and will be taxed in the future. Okay. How would you rather your future earnings to be taxable or non-taxable? Well, I mean, honestly, I'd rather have them be non-taxable later, but in a low interest rate environment like we're talking about now where we exist, time frame that we're doing this podcast, I wouldn't mind paying my taxes now because I, I firmly believe that in the 30-year time horizon I have until retirement, that taxes will probably go up. So paying the tax now certainly has advantages. It sure does. Okay. All we like to do with clients is educate them on the positives and the negatives. Ultimately, you'll be the one to make the decision. Uh, we're given an unbiased opinion because we're not here to manage assets or give investment advice. We just want to look at the facts of every financial instrument, understand the advantages and disadvantages, and understand that life happens. Mm -hmm. Liquidity is important. Protection is key. And postponing funds as your primary savings vehicle, which is what most Americans do, might not be the best thing for them to do with not only the retirement in mind, but the overall macroeconomic financial plan. Gotcha. Well, that was a heck of a closing statement. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean, I could talk about this for hours now, but I think <laughs> if we keep it short and concise, the key is to keep your mind open and understand that every financial decision that you make is almost like a game of chess. It's going to affect another financial decision, whether it's now or at a different point in your life. And we don't want to make financial decisions linearly. We want to make those decisions at 30,000 feet, thinking about how every move factors into the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish. Gotcha. Well, Joe, thank you for your thought leadership today. Matt, it's always a pleasure. This was episode four. I love my 401k and you should too. Myth number two of the six universally accepted financial myths. Next podcast, we're going to talk about myth number three, which is a 15 year mortgage costs less than a 30 year mortgage. Thanks and have a wonderful day. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Contact your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Beyond Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. By providing this content, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Joseph Biondalillo is a financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian. 
New York, New York. Beyond Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0I32947. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1281376. Submission Number 2023-151747 expires 03-2025.